It's like every job can be a climate job, you know, no matter where you are. Welcome to EcoAlarm, the podcast where we break down the major factors affecting the environment and explore what we can do to help. I'm your host, Imani, and today I'll be talking to Breen Murphy. Breen is not only a USC alum, but he's the vice president of strategy and marketing at Carbon Collective, an automated investment manager that helps you directly divest from fossil fuels and reinvest in companies who are helping the planet. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Breen, and I'm so excited to start this conversation. Hi, my name is Breen Murphy. I'm the Vice President of Strategy and Marketing at Carbon Collective. We're an online financial advisor creating investment portfolios that help solve climate change. One of the things that we're seeing right now is we, uh, very fortunately, we have a lot of the solutions we need to help solve climate change, but we are missing the investment in those solutions. And so this is a really important time for, for our company. I have a connection to USC. I graduated from, you know, from USC in 2011. So it's excited to be on a, like a student-run podcast here. Um, I'm also on the board of, uh, on the advisory board of USC's, you know, Wrigley Institute for Environmental Studies, which if you haven't been there and you're an SC student, find a way. It's incredible. Um, it's in a blue water marine preserve on Catalina and it is spectacular. And there's no place that I think you'll get more inspired, um, than at the Wrigley. So, and then the last thing is, uh, we just, you know, we've, we've had some big stuff going on at our company and we just launched the climate index, which is a list and a database of the 169 uh, publicly traded companies that are solving climate change. So we got a lot of fun stuff going on. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, awesome, thank you so much. Um, could you talk a little bit more about kind of that journey and how you got to Carbon Collective and also the stuff you're doing at Wrigley and? Yeah, I, I'd be happy to. So um, I unfortunately didn't figure out that I wanted to be in climate until I already started working. Uh, my family had an ad agency and um, my grandmother, Delta Murphy, passed away. And she actually was on the board of, of the Wrigley Institute at USC. Um, and when I passed away, I just realized like, I mean, she was also like the mayor of Whittier and she was on like the LA City Planning Commission. And um, she was just like a very incredible woman. We called her the, the world's uh, smallest nuclear reactor. She was this like tiny little woman and she would wear like salmon colored lipstick with like a blue blazer and like rhinestones. And she'd have this like blonde, like, like poofy perm. She was like, she was something. So she was really involved. And, and so I, I basically was at a place where I was like, okay, I've been writing her, you know, civic quote tales for a long time. Um, it's my turn. And I, I didn't really think I had anything available to offer <laughs> in terms of solutions. Like it's scary to start. And so I think for me, that's, I'm like really empathetic to that place of like, what do I do? And I just was like, okay, let's just accept that I suck at things right now. And I, I can get better though at other things. And so I, I was like, what's the biggest problem? The biggest problem that came to my head was climate change. And I was like, I'm going to do something about it. And I didn't know what to do. And so like my first step was like learning what I should do. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm working this whole time and I, I learned about a group called Citizens Climate Lobby and I started to get involved. And it's basically uh, very simple. It's like learning how to, as a regular citizen, develop a relationship with your member of Congress and uh, ask them to create climate policy, which was um, incredibly difficult for me because uh, I lived in a 
Uh, I still live in a, a, a district that had a, a climate denier as, as a congressperson. Um, and so that was really difficult, but you know, it ends up challenging you and you end up learning a ton of skills and, you know, showing appreciation for that person, like keeping in contact with them, like really hearing their arguments on a level and like really deeply listening to them. And this whole process, I started to get better and better at it. At the same time, I was um, getting better in my professional career. Um, my family had an agent, uh, an advertising agency since the, uh, the early nineties. And so I was trying to build out like I was like, okay, like I'm going to build out like a solar panel practice. And I wanted to like land a solar panel client because like, this was back in like 2013 or 2014. And I, I got close, right? Like I got to meet like the CMO of SunPower. She humored me more than anything, but I, I made like an, like an honest pitch for a, like a more locally based uh, solar company called Varango Solar. And that one didn't get picked up. I would have loved for that to have won that piece of business. But I started to think through like, as I was getting better at, you know, at volunteering, I was getting better at like my skill and I was trying to apply it as best I could. And then things kind of changed in my life because my, my family business, like we had a really good fortune. Uh, some of our biggest clients were actually acquired, um, which is really good for like an agency. It's like pat on the back, you know, like you did so well, like this company, like, it's so well that now that they were bought and like all the people there are really happy because they made money for us. That means like our business goes away. And so we're at a stage where I wasn't ready to run an advertising agency. Um, and my dad and mom were older and they weren't ready to like restart one. You know, they were in their, so this is like, you know, they were in like their mid sixties. And so we're in a place where I ended up taking over and running the marketing department for one of my smaller uh, clients. Um, which is like a, a local financial services firm um, and wealth management firm. And it's based out of Torrance. Um, it's called EP Wealth Advisors. And so I started working there. So momentum starts to hit with like my climate work. Um, I'm getting better at that. Uh, the Wrigley Institute actually invites me back to take uh, my grandmother's position uh, on the board. Um, and so I started like helping there. Um, there's some really amazing initiatives uh, through the Wrigley that are available for students. I wish these were things that like, one, I had made that realization that I wanted to work in climate, but two, that I knew these things were available. But like, if you're interested in like the government and policy, there's always climate forward, right? Like if you're interested in business, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a Wrigley Sustainability Prize and on the business side uh, and creating new, new companies that are helping solving climate change. There, there's things there that were happening while I was at EP Wealth. And then, you know, I was like doing my own thing to advocate so that we could have like an ESG portfolio. For those of you who don't know what it is, an ESG portfolio is, it's an acronym. So E stands for environmental, S stands for social, and G stands for governance. And it's basically looking at those three additional factors rather than just the pure financial performance of a company to create portfolios. And it, it has a reputation of being something that's a little greener, but it definitely has problems with it. And I guess this is why I'm at the company I'm at. Um, but, you know, try to lobby for like an ESG portfolio, you know, ended up at, like investing uh, on my own separately um, with my own investments. And it's hard out there, right? Like it, it, there's not a lot of great climate positive investment options. And, you know, at that time I was, you know, volunteering, I was involved with the Wrigley, you know, I would just like, I had friends that I was really passionate about their businesses or whatever they're doing. And I wanted to help them, you know, I had the skill around marketing. So it was like, 
copy and strategy and communication and planning and just being a sounding board. And like that helped me develop a network in the areas that I cared about. And then, you know, one of my friends that I, I had helped a little bit, I mean, he had a really great idea for a climate tech venture capital fund. I talked to him about a few things, but he was like, Hey, I just invested in a company and they should probably talk with you. And that's how I met Carbon Collect. You know, at first I was doing the same thing I was doing before, which is like, oh, I'll just talk to you for free. Like, I want to help. Like, you can bounce ideas off any times. I, I try to like, like that stuff that I do for free, I try not to let it be all consuming because like I still have other responsibilities professionally. But you'd be surprised what you can do in like a half hour or 45 minutes or an hour a week, right? Like if you're really thinking about it and, and like dedicating it. So we got to a point where he's like, do you just want to like come on and work here? Like I could do these things, I think, but I think it'd be better if we just like brought you out to do them. And so that's how I came on board. And the thing that I really love about Carbon Collective is like, it has an actual theory of change in the investment world, um, which is very rare. So one of the things that, that has been problematic on ESG is a lot of them are, they're less bad rather than being actively good. You know, it's like, they're not investing in fossil fuels, which is like, it's great. Like I'm, you know, USC recently divested and that's good. Or is, is creating a, is agreeing to divest. I don't think they're fully divested yet. Yeah, I applaud all the students there, like virtual high five. Um, I'm so proud of you. Like, that's amazing. Um, so, but if you're looking at divesting, like the next step for, for USC would, would then be to not just being like less bad, but like, you know, you could see a world in which President Folk like create a program where she invested in the companies that were coming out of the Wrigley Sustainability Prize, you know, and then they would be creating solutions and you could see with their network that you could be influencing like public utilities to have a large fossil fuel footprint. I mean, in California, they're a little better. Um, you know, you could see those like informing the government. I know that, um, you know, there've been some companies that have come out that got Department of Energy grants. Um, so like you could see this world where they're helping create this glide path for students with businesses to getting out. And basically that's what Carbon Collective does is divest, reinvest. And then the last thing is advocate. So publicly traded companies are basically small, very strange democracies in which you as a shareholder get a vote. And so if you can vote for things, um, you know, the company has to take it in as policy, like literally. And so a good example of this that came up recently is a very amazing firm called engine number one that we love and we hope them like a ton of success, but we slightly disagree with them. They created a shareholder vote that put two pro climate people on the board of ExxonMobil. That's wow. huge. <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. Like having someone go like, Hey, we need to solve climate change talking, you know, to the, to, to the CEO of Exxon all the time. Like that is incredible. And so that's the power of voting, right? And so it's like, not just that you can vote at the ballot box, not that you can call your, your congressional representative, but you can also vote by talking to the places where you invested as well. Um, and so that for me has been um, incredibly fun and, and deeply meaningful. Like I have two, two boys and it's like, as a new parent, you know, I'm like an old millennial that also has kids. So it's like, I, I wondered if I should even have kids right? Because of the path we're on from a client perspective. And I think seeing the solutions and just like making that resolve to like, I'm just going to do everything I can. That what is the purpose of having this world if, if you don't have a next generation? And so I love my two little boys. They're amazing. Um, but I hope by the time that they're 30, um, they're 
Like we're in a world where we've decarbonized. That would be amazing. The honest answer is like, I don't know if we're all going to do that, but I know it's an incredibly uh, important thing to, to try for. And that we don't, it's not an all or nothing thing either. So it's like every little thing you do helps, you know, that's where it gets into like, how can we start to do things like, like what you're doing here on this eco long po- podcast is um, it's awesome. It's like your way to use your talents to help bring on people who are, you know, you know, well, you have me, so you have other smarter people, I guess, than me. Um, okay. But you have like, <laughs> well, but you have like people on to like start spread the word of like, hey, there's plans, there's things you can do, like we can do this. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be worth it. And so, just doing what you do is so incredibly important because like there's this new creator economy that's been happening. And it's like, how can you leverage this amazing capability that you have to get more people on to do it? And there's there's so many people like that, you know, every single person out there, regardless of their skill, like they have something they can contribute to helping solve climate change. There's this woman at Project Drawdown and um, her name's Jamie Beck Alexander. And I really like her just because like she, she's so relentless. Um, but one of the things that she repeats a lot is like every job can be a climate job, you know, no matter where you are. I really like that mindset. Um, because it puts you in a place where you have agency. And I think that's, I mean, that's an important thing because that's how you end up deciding that you want to keep moving and going and growing and, and improving when you feel like you have that sense of control. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think your story that you just outlined goes to show like you can combine all those. It's just so interesting to hear how like trying to convince a congressperson to like working <laughs> at um, more of like a finance thing and then like bringing those skills together at Carbon Collective is just like super inspiring. So thank you so much for that story. I always love hearing stories from our guests just because like, I don't know, as college students, I just feel like everything just seems so like, what am I going to do? But yeah, every time yeah. I hear a journey, it's just so inspiring to see where people were and where they're at now. So thank yeah, you for, for sure. For sure. I mean, the thing that stories um, they, they, like there is a, like a little bit of a downside of the story, which is they make these things feel inevitable. Like, like when you see like, oh, that's so great. Like he did all these things, but there's a ton of angst along the way, you yeah. know? And so if you're feeling that, like, I think just like recognizing that that's normal, you know, I, I think you're already way ahead of where I was at your age, right? Because like you're creating, you're like, you're creating this forum for people to be inspired, to share their thoughts. Um, and so you're like, by doing that, you're learning a lot, you're developing a skill. And so that's something that's way more advanced than I was, right? You know, and, and you've already, you're already directly applying it. You know, there's going to be questions that you have, which is going to be like, maybe you have your parents talking about like, how do you monetize this or whatever, but like, you'll find a way you keep at it, you find a way and it's scary, but it can, it's possible. There's this other woman, Brene Brown, where she talks about you know, living like courageously, living fully and okay with being vulnerable and accept, like accepting where you are, but still like living true to yourself. And I think that's, that's so important. Right. And so I'm, I'm happy to share that. I have a ton of thoughts uh, on that. Like I spent, cause like I angsted over it quite a bit, but there, there's like a, a lot of resources that at least I didn't find were given to me when I was going through school and, and college, but there's like a great podcast 
or like a, a great outlet called 80,000 hours. Have you ever heard of that? I have not, but I'm very okay. interested. Okay. So 80,000 hours is the amount of time you have in your career. And so they are looking at how can you have the most impact with the 80,000 hours that will be dedicated to your career. And this is a rough guess, <laughs> you know, like who knows if anyone actually has 80,000 hours in their career, but that's an approximation. And so they help think through like, how can you have an impact? And so I started reading a lot of articles there. Um, and then the other place that helped me was, I, I mean, I'm a little geeky, um, which you might be able to tell, but there's this, uh, there's this blog called wait, but why? And they just like take fairly simple questions and then like derive like incredibly complex answers from them. And then they really get to the bottom of things, um, which I always enjoy. And they have like animated cartoons in it and it's funny, but like they had this one on uh, like how to figure out what to do with your life. And one of the things that they talked about is like inside of us all, there's like a yearning octopus with like all these different needs and desires and that, that are pulling everything and they're never going to like totally align. So that's why the octopus is always yearning. But when you read that article, there's this ability to start to like resonate with who am I, like, like what matters to me, you know, like, what am I going to do? And like, you start to think about it. And then the other one is, it's called Designing Your Life by, by Tim Burnett. It's actually a class up at Stanford, but it's like, they give you like a, like a framework for like, okay, like what matters to me? How do I spend my time? Like, what do I think about? And I started, like, those were three things that were like really impactful for me on helping me. Like the big thing is like, I, I would get scared or anxious um, or afraid, you know, like and of like taking that next step. Like, should I even do that? Oh, that's not going to be worth it. Like that will never pan out. And they basically, it's like, no, this, this matters to me. You know, they help, like, help you realize, like listening to that voice that says like, no, this matters to me. And it's okay. If it fails, you know, it's okay. If I do this thing and it doesn't work, right. Like you, you keep doing this, you keep talking to the people you want to talk to, you know, you keep um, like learning from your failures. You keep like, like, and then it, it starts to snowball and you start to meet the right people. And then all of a sudden there's like, I kind of felt like there was like a gravitational shift. It was like the center of my universe for a long time was like advertising and finance. And all of a sudden I could feel it like starting to pull almost like there was a moon circling, circling this planet. And all of a sudden like, the, but this moon is growing it's becoming bigger and bigger. And then there's a certain point where like the moon is bigger than the earth. And, you know, like that is now revolving around this other thing. And that is my center of, uh, of my universe or not my universe, but my, my gravity, because, you know, we're not the center of the universe, which unfortunately I have to learn over and over again. But yeah, I mean, thinking through this process is hard and, you know, there's a lot of weight in this, in, in your generation. I don't know, like, I, I, I'd be curious for you, like, what are you thinking about? What are, what are people that, what are your friends talking about that they like really want to know or are worried about or worried about that first step? Like, are there things that they're, they're kind of like identifying? Yeah, I guess, well, one of my roommates is actually on this podcast too, but we're always talking about kind of wanting to be in a more like impact space, but then mm -hmm. also like in the business school, it's very like accounting, banking, like mm -hmm. <laughs> finance and like, this is what you do. And it just mm -hmm. kind of, sometimes it's hard for us to find resources to explore like different options. Mm -hmm. Cause like you go to the career center and it's like, 
okay, well, if you're not doing consulting right now and that's what they're recruiting for, then like, we don't really have anything to help you yeah. with. Um, so I guess kind of that like discovery, like discovering new options. And I think that's a great part of this podcast is also like discovering the careers that come with it. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a lot of people probably in Marshall where just kind of feel kind of lost and like wanting to yeah. make an impact, but seeing like there's no other options besides these like couple of firms that like everyone wants to go to. Yeah. Um, so that's been kind of difficult to yeah. grapple with. Do you have places that you, the, that you really resonate with? Like, I know you talked about banking, finance, accounting, right. And those all, like, I, I think those all still have their roles in solving climate change. Like carbon offset accounting is going to be a thing, right. We're going oh, to need to, sure. We're going to need to figure that out, right? Because there's a lot of gray area and we're going to need people who are very good accountants, like doing that work. Um, you know, uh, banking and finance, like we're going to have to stop lending to fossil fuel companies for extraction. You know, we're going to have to start lending to more areas and getting creative, you know, so that we have like both climate solutions and like, like increased equity because the, the, like the, the lack of equity that we've had so far is like, uh, it's accelerated the issues that we've been having. So I'm curious, what are companies that you're interested in and what are solutions? Are you more interested in the government or private sector or what parts? It sounds like private sector because you're in business, but like, you know, what areas? Yeah, interesting. Actually, I was really interested in working in the public sector because I worked for um, Mm -hmm. Bloomberg Philanthropies over the summer. So that was like, inadvertently, he's not mayor anymore, but like inadvertently connected a lot to um, public sector. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in both. I I relate a lot to the octopus yeah. thing because yeah. there's like many different directions I can go, especially with this like new podcasting thing. I'm like, okay, now there's like yeah. this whole separate media thing that we can do. Yeah. Um, but so that's been really interesting. Yeah. I, I guess in terms of companies, I don't know if it's going to like get me in trouble with like employers uh, but um uh, i'm very interested in like the work that patagonia is doing yeah. and like even um i went to a sustainability at spotify event which was really yeah. interesting because i yeah. i feel like with tech yeah. companies you don't really yeah understand yeah. what's going on there with sustainability but yeah um yeah those two have been really interesting Okay. So you, so you got like Patagonia and Spotify, right? Like I'm, I'm sure that you could probably get one of those people on your podcast and it'd be really cool if you got them around an area that you're interested in. Like what, what, what's your focus of study or do you like, do you have an area? Are you going to go into marketing or finance or accounting or entrepreneurship or what, what are you kind of looking at? Yeah. Well, Marshall's interesting because there's no, actually they just added emphasis like mm. last year. Um, so I don't really like technically mm. have one. But I guess right now, I was definitely before I was in marketing, I think I'm kind of transitioning mm-hmm. out of that maybe into like sales mm-hmm. partnerships mm-hmm. kind of yeah. areas where I'm looking at. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, salespeople love to talk. So like, I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you could get someone from sales at Patagonia and talking how they go through distribution. Like, I, like my guess is there's a place like that, that you could get people on you know, that's why I recommended you like those couple things is like that enables you to start to unlock your superpower, which is interviewing people and helping, uh, you know, really get to understand what they're doing. And you're doing it in a public way where you you know, your friends get to hear like the things that you're learning about and get to ask questions. So I, I think 
everyone that's listening to this right now, like, I mean, and it's kind of funny because I'm separated from them by time. Like, you know, this is being recorded like in the past for you. Um, but, um, like every person has like this, like this type of material, they have things they're naturally good at. They have, they have things that they're um, naturally passionate about. They have like a network that, that, that can be unlocked in these areas. Um, there's just like Japanese thinking that's around, um, ikigai, they call it. Um, and it's like, there's four concentric circles and they all overlap. And it's like, you know, what you're good at, it's like your skill, um, what you're passionate about, which is like, you know, what you love to do, um, what the world needs and then what opportunities you have around you and like where those four things overlap. Um, that's where you can start to like, you can start to unlock a better life for yourself. You know, you kind of create a, like a level of balance. And so that for me is like how I've been trying to get better at this. And I think has led me to where I'm at at carbon collective. And then like, I, I couldn't be happier. Cause I, I work with great people, um, on something that I think is, um, can have a role in solving climate change, um, which is really important because I have two little boys. Um, I get to do good work. Um, I get to meet interesting people. Like without my job, I wouldn't be talking to you. And I, um, I love talking to young people. So I, believe it or not, I was once young, um, you know, this hairline, which thank goodness I'm on a podcast and not on a video interview, although go for it if you're on a blog, but like, I don't have much of it anymore, but yeah, I, you know, people can, people can talk to me. I love talking to young people, you know, and without carbon collective, without being here, um, without having, um, you know, the, the things that we're creating and the big one that we've been doing recently is like, we just launched our climate index our 2022 climate index. And it's like, it's this really inc like incredible part of people's portfolios um, that invest with us that are all around project drawdown aligned, you know, solutions to climate change, you know? And so it's like being able to share this beautiful thing with people that I'm so proud of, um, you know, Zach Stein, um, he's our co-founder and James Regalinski, the, the, the two co-founders, but I mean, they're doing great work and I get to be a part of, you know, helping create that and share that message. And I just feel really honored to be where I'm at. So, because like investments has such an important role to play in solving climate change. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a very interesting thing too, because we actually, um, we interviewed the people who started divest SC that you were referenced before. So oh, like, no way. <laughs> this yeah. is like a good follow-up episode to be like, cause they were talking about uh, reinvesting as well as like their kind of next step with usc so this is like a great love episode it. to talk about the second yeah. part of that so that's great yeah i'd love I to love talk more about the um the climate yeah. index though like if you have any yeah um, yeah for sure what makes that like special and compared to other because i know there's a lot of like you mentioned esg so there's like many yeah. ones, etfs swirling around so i guess our audience might be curious like what makes this one, I guess, different. What makes it different is it's all based on climate solutions that are created by uh, independent top climate scientists and economists at Project Drawdown. They made this huge list of climate solutions um, that go, I mean, there, there is of course like solar, wind, batteries, electric cars, like that's all there. Um, but there's also like, you know, refrigerants and like high, inner, like high efficiency heat pumps and coastal wetlands restoration 
and like women's education and reproductive access. Like it's a very large list. And so it, it goes well beyond what people classically think of as climate solutions. And so we just mapped those solutions to the publicly traded markets and came up with a list of about 400 companies. And from that, we created filters, right? We didn't, the big one was, um, there's a lot of places that have a climate solution, but they're still like making most of their money from fossil fuel companies. Like a good example of that is like General Electric. Um, you know, they're one of the largest wind tur turbine manufacturers in the world, but they still like get a lot of their money from uh, like fossil fuel companies because they're doing like, you know, internal combustion engines. And so they're out, right? Even though they have that climate solution, they're out. You know, there's other things um, that we look at, which is getting more granular. It's do like, are they doing, uh, creating like a sub part of their business for uh, the military? We cut those out. Like obviously wars are not good for, for the environment. If you're blowing things up, that's bad. You know, there are some exceptions in which if they're providing their climate solution to uh, the military as a climate solution. So like an example of that is, you know, uh, there's like a lot of like industrial recycling that needs to happen, you know? Um, and so if they are helping uh, create like lower impact materials that would, that everyone's buying and then th that includes the military, um, there's solutions like that. But also it's like, it's all there. It's all sortable. There's 169 companies in it. There's 400 companies. You can search by filters and everything. You can like play with it on hours. But if you're thinking about getting a job in the climate space, that's a list of companies that are trying to help like as part of their core business, create a better world. So anyone who's looking for a better job, I'm sure you could go to any of those and look for internships, um, early positions. And so that, and a lot of them people haven't heard about before. So it becomes this incredibly useful tool. And then like, why is it also really special? It's because um, in the ESG space, there's not a lot of places that have created um, part of their investment portfolio that is really aligned in a broad sense with around solving climate change. Most of what we hear in ESG is around divestment. And, and there's not that much um, evidence that supports that that is the best way to use finances to create change. It's big news that, that SC divested. But again, I love hearing that they're thinking about where should they invest instead. And then we create like low fee portfolios. So we're trying to like make access as available for anybody. So if people go on, they can sign up, they can invest a hundred dollars with us. If they want, they can invest a hundred million. Like our portfolios are really built to have this, you know, best practices of um, investing, you know, low fees. So they don't eat away in, at, at performance returns, um, highly diversified. So we manage risk. Um, and so they're competitive performing and, and they include bonds and they're, you can have an allocation that aligns with your goals. And so there's like some places that have each one of these little pieces, but there hasn't been a place that has put it all together. And so people come to us, they can, you know, they can invest no matter like where they're at with their life. Um, and they can put it in, you know, in, in asset allocation, um, which is just like how you spread your, your investments um, around between stocks and bonds and inside the sectors. They can choose one that fits their goals. Um, they can have like a climate only portfolio or a climate only in a low carbon economy where we're going to vote. Um, to help um, decarbonize a lot of these neutral players. And, you know, so like, that's the thing, you know, this climate index is like the cornerstone piece, but it's part of this like larger, like, you know, investment ecosystem. And I noticed there are some other companies that people might like 
I don't know, be concerned about like yeah. Coca-Cola or Nike or Starbucks. Could you explain like why kind of those companies make the cut for certain portfolios and so kind of where you the, see that going? Yeah, for sure. So that's an awesome question. So uh, they make the cut for certain portfolios. They are not in the climate index. So if you come and invest with us in the climate index portfolios, those are not there. So I, like for people, for some people, they do not want to be a part of that. There's a very intentional reason why we we keep those in our um, we call it our core portfolio, which is um, high, like high, highly diversified. And it's two reasons, really. Based on our theory of change, we think that shareholder resolutions are going to be most effective on companies that are neutral, but don't need fossil fuels. Like Coca-Cola does not need fossil fuels to have like a red you know, scripted label with like brown sugary fizzy water. Like that's not what they need. Um, they're using it right now as an ends to the, you know, as a means to an end, but they could easily run that on hundred percent electricity. You know, they could easily like, you know, get into a place where they do like direct air capture and carbonize their drinks. Right. Like, you know, like they need carbonation in some ways. So while they're causing some other sustainable problems, they're also the places in which um, we believe that there's a higher likelihood that we could have uh, meaningful impact on climate. And the more we reduce demand for fossil fuels, the, you know, the less likely it will be um, for people to uh, use fossil fuels in general. So um, that's a really good example. Oh, gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Like, and it was really interesting when you're talking about the um, military aspect of it, because I've like never even thought about that before as like a consideration whether or not to add or subtract a company. I guess kind of to wrap up, I mean, we talked about a lot of resources um, just before, yeah. so I don't know how much we want to go into that, but if you sure. have any resources, I guess, related to sustainable investing or even mm -hmm. like more specifically carbon collective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so additional resources. So, um, and this is something that's, that's great. I, my guess is uh, some of these students are just starting investing um, or they, they can talk about it with their parents. Um, there's a group that is called As You Sow, and they're the tool that we use to evaluate the emissions of a portfolio. Um, and so if you go to like fossilfreefunds.org, uh, you can put in like the ticker for like your mutual fund or ETF, and it will tell you right away like how good it is for the climate. And I think that's a, like an unbelievably valuable tool. If people are thinking about creating their own portfolio, there's a great research report called Giving Green. It's on ESG and climate impact, and it's walking through a framework. And I can send these links to you. It's yeah. walking through a framework to understand like how investing investments and investing can have like the largest impact. And they have like the the five pieces. It's like divestment, in reinvestment, uh, like advocacy or communications and narrative. And then they have shareholder activism and shareholder activism narrative, right? Like those are the, like the, the five things that they identify. Um, like we are covered in that. So like you, you can get like an academic look at, at carbon collectors portfolio. Um, as we know right now, we're the only one doing all five for low fee, like, you know, zero minimum portfolios. So that's like kind of exciting. Another one is uh, project drawdown. Um, they have this, they just released one, the big guide is amazing. Um, and you don't need to buy it. You can just go online to their website. I have the guide because I bought it four years ago. I was really excited when I heard about it, but if you go to the website, you can see all the climate solutions, right? And that's a really good one to, to look at, but they also have a new report called climate solutions at work. 
anybody that's going into a job, whether it's like climate related or not, there's like, it helps you understand that there's an opportunity to make an impact like day one, right where you are. And it's got like a eight part framework. It includes like finances and investments. um, And that's great. And they, they help like in that part, they identify that um, we need to like 10 X our investments into climate solutions. Um, but that's a really great piece. And then for like the climate index, I, I think is amazing. Um, whether you're looking for companies that are helping solve climate change and want to get a job there, or you're looking to invest, um, I think it's a really good resource. We're really excited about that. Um, so I can send you links to all that stuff. And then of course, like with career stuff, I, you know, those other ones designing your life and, you know, wait, but why and 80,000 hours, I, I think those are just to recap, those things are, are really valuable for any student as well. And I'm a resource. If people want to talk to me, like, you, no, seriously, like, you know, if they hit you up in the DMs, like, hey, like, does that guy really want to talk to you? Like, just be like, yeah, he, like, he'll talk to you. It's, it's Breen at carboncollective.co. And like, I'd love to hear what people are thinking about, you know, what they're doing. Um, and while you're at SC, please go try to learn more about the Wrigley Institute. Like it's, it's, it's a great place to get inspired while you're still learning. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so um, much, Imani. that'll wrap up our episode for today. For more information on EcoAlarm and resources on topics covered in this episode, follow us at EcoAlarm Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in every other Friday and we'll see you next time. Bye.